Before we get started, a word from our friends at Keeley Companies. In the words of Keeley Companies CEO, Rusty Keeley, when it comes down to it, there are two things that make Keeley Companies incredible, people and process. The strategic growth model called the Keeley Way ensures that Keeley achieves results on purpose, including five-year visions, scorecards, meaningful action plans. The Keeley Way allows Keeleyans to turn dreams into reality and drives goals to realize visions. Because of this relentless focus on people and culture, Keeley Companies has experienced explosive growth that shows no signs of slowing down. Learn more at KeeleyCompanies.com. Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. 2020, what are some words that you might use to describe 2020? If you are at all like the majority of the clients that we serve, both organizationally as a motivational speaking business or from our coaching and consulting business, almost all of the words that are used to describe this year looking back are negative. That's right. I know. Nothing new under the sun. John, tell us something we don't know. All right. Well, that's what I want to do during this podcast. I'd like us to flip the script a little bit from looking back in negativity at the year we've just experienced and looking forward with profound optimism at the truth that the best of our days remain in front of us. Now, to help me do exactly that, I'm going to bring on in just a moment a special guest. His name is Jeremy Camp. He'll be joined here shortly by his wife, Adrian Camp. They have an amazing life story that has brought them together and has brought them all the way to join us at Live Inspired Podcast. My friends, for those of you who do not yet know the Jeremy Camp story, you're going to hear in a moment about a guy who is a Christian singer and songwriter. You're going to hear about Adrian's story. She's also a singer and songwriter. You're going to hear about the incredible successful journey that they're living right now. But you're going to hear about a really painful journey to where they are right now. Life, it turns out, is not a straight line pointing up toward heaven. It's not always easy as we journey forward in 2020 or maybe as we tiptoe into 2021. But there is reason for you to still believe. We'll come back to that here in a moment. But I want you to still believe that your best days remain in front of you. So regardless of whether you define 2020 as lousy, horrible, tragic, almost over, miserable, whatever the term might be, or grateful, family, slow down, whatever that term might be, if it was a little bit more positive, I believe at the end of this podcast, you are going to recognize that the foundation of your life is firm. The reason for hope is valid and the best days of your journey do indeed remain in front of you. So buckle up, get ready for a wonderful ride as I introduce you to my friend and now yours, their name, Jeremy and Adrian Camp. Jeremy and Adrian, welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. Hey, thanks, thanks for having so us, man. So excited to be here. Well, man, as we were chatting before we started recording, uh, you know I'm a huge fan of the work you do, the life you're living, the impact you're having. 
the books you're writing, the music you're creating, and the, and the legacy you're leaving. But for those who may not yet know about your story, about your work, would you give us just a snapshot of, of what you're working on today? And I realize there's two in the room, so it can be a little, a little awkward. We'll start with Adrian first. Adrian, tell us about the work that you're doing today. Well, today we are releasing um, an EP that we did together. It's a six song EP that we recorded during quarantine, wrote and recorded. And honestly, the songs just have come out of the ups and downs, you know, just um, what we experienced, some of the, the heartache. And um, I'll let Jeremy talk about the, the beginning part of our year. But, um, you know, when quarantine hit, our pretty much our whole life literally got shut down. as like everybody, everybody else's, yeah. you know. Um, and so we've been leading up to um, a massive project for a couple of years, just pouring, you know, our heart and soul into it. And it literally was like the rug just got pulled up from underneath us. And so as musicians, the place that we run to is obviously to God, because we're Christians, but just um, to music, you know, and just pouring out our songs, uh, pouring out our hearts through song. And so today we're releasing a, an EP that we're so excited about. Yeah, it's, it's been quite, uh, as everybody knows, an interesting year. And for us, this started off as a, a major kind of high where, you know, we were going into a, a year, I've been working on a movie um, on my life, um, and we can get into that later, but it was called I Still Believe, and we worked on it for two years, and it was coming out in March, um, and everything was going great. We had written a, a marriage book together. Um, she put a children's book out. You know, I had my biography that came out, all these kind of things, and then all of a sudden, everything got shut down, and, you know, it really was, uh, it, it kind of crashed because, you know, the first weekend the movie came out was the weekend they started shutting everything down. And so it was only in, in the theaters for about a weekend um, and they shut the tour down. And what happened was I woke up three days later. It was probably, it was Friday, uh, the Friday, March 13th, actually, <laughs> Friday the 13th. And it takes on a whole new takes a whole new meaning. <laughs> and then wake up and I'm, for probably two, three days, just didn't want to get out of bed. Yeah. And Monday morning hit. And I remember really feeling like God spoke to my heart and uh, just say, get up and pick your guitar up. And I've heard that before uh, in the past when God tells me to do that. And if I try to resist it, I'm, I, I can't. It's like he continues to press me until I do. And so I went upstairs and I, I just started writing this song and it was called Whatever May Come. And it really just shared what I was feeling, whatever I face, whatever the fear, whatever you know, the cost you always draw near. And then really what it was, was me just going, all right, God, you're the only one that I can run to right now because nothing else makes sense. I'm confused, I'm hurt. I feel like I hit a brick wall. And really what happened was I started saying, I will call, call upon you. Whatever may come, you are with me. I will fall, fall on my knees. For every heartbreak, you will hold me. And it just was this cry realizing that, okay, you know what? Whatever I do face, I faced some hard things in the past. You know, I went through a, the loss of my first wife to cancer, um, very difficult time. And so I faced all these things. And I realized through anything that I faced, when I run to the feet of Jesus, that's what brings healing. And I think what's happened is that so many people are looking for hope right now. And for me, with my story, when we got to share this, and it's been able to be put out on video on demand and DVDs, and that's been amazing. But the reason why I'm excited about that because it shows that life's not always easy. No. You know, there's a scripture I love in John 16, 33. He says that I say these things to you that you will have peace in this world. You will face trials. 
So I think a lot of people have this idea that if you become right. a Christian, that there's no more trials, no more tribulation, it's all good. And, and all of a sudden you realize, no, actually Jesus told us because of this, the world we live in, the fallen world, because you're going to face trials. But then he gives that encouragement that says, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And that to me was what I have learned through this is running to him was the only solution, the only hope. And so for us, you know, we're Christians. And so we, people are going, what do we do in the midst of this? Or what do we turn? And we're like, I'm telling you, I went through watching my wife suffer through cancer. I went through trials and tribulations like everybody has in their life. Only Jesus was the only thing that got me through it. That was it, period. Man, there's a lot there. And I think we'll spend the next 32 minutes unpacking what you just shared. Adrian, I'm going to turn turn it over to you just for a moment. You know, I was going to make some lame joke about it. it sounds like you have an accent. Is it a, is it Alabama? Is that where you're from? And I realized, <laughs> that's going to suck. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Let's play up a little bit. You are from South Africa. I have just a couple friends from that part of the world and almost had an opportunity. I was in Perth, Australia, and was invited to go to South Africa and missed out. Tell me about South Africa and tell me about growing up. So I grew up in um, a small town, two towns really, Jeffreys Bay and Port Elizabeth, which are really close to each other. And um, it's a surfer town, so very laid back surfer culture. I'm very creative. Um, I joined a band when I was 17 years old and started playing music. And um, we wrote a bunch of songs and that's how I ended up actually coming over to America was for music with my band, my South African band. And we played around for a few years and that's how I met Jeremy. But I was raised in a Christian home. Um, my dad started one of the first multiracial Christian schools uh, in, our, in our province. And so wow. I grew up um, half of my life, you know, there was the apartheid issue in South Africa and then half of it was under Nelson Mandela where there was just a lot of uh, racial reconciliation that was needed. And um, my dad was amazing in that. We had a very, very small Christian school but it was one of the first um, just multiracial schools, you know? So I just grew up with a very different picture, I think, in South Africa. And I absolutely loved my upbringing. It was super sweet. We had so much fun. We were outside all the time. Yeah. And um, in South Africa, there's so many different races and skin colors and languages. I mean, I think there's like 11 official languages. Um, and so I speak another language fluently Afrikaans and then a little bit of an African language as well. So it's just completely different from here, you know, um, but I'm super thankful for it. I definitely shaped so much of who I am today, but um, I'm thankful, you know, got to come over to America when I was 19, almost 20. So I've been here for a while. So my accent's kind of confused. <laughs> sometimes it's South African and sometimes it's not. <laughs> so I, I, I've heard you say, and I've actually read that you, you wrote, uh, you love books. You love books. You like to hold it in your hands. And so uh, I love <laughs> underline them. And they're my friends. I've, you know, libraries full of books that I love. Unfortunately, I was not able to get Unison in copy due to the mail service issues. So uh, I, I downloaded it and I loved hearing your voice, bring it off the page. And so although I am not necessarily saying people, you need to all do Audible or download books. Yours, on the other hand, it was a beautiful way to take in your story. You had a beautiful accent, so I'm glad it's confused. Thank you so much. <laughs> you also were a little confused because one thing you knew coming over from South Africa to the U.S. is there was one thing you did not want, and it was an American boy, and you're seated, seated next to <laughs> right now. So I do want to hear a little bit about that story, but it's going to be a, a windy road to get there. So Jeremy... You're an Indiana boy, man. That's a little closer to where I am as a Missouri guy. You went out to California, but before you did, talk about, if you don't mind, talk about your brother and the influence that he was in your life. 
Yeah. So I have a brother who has Down syndrome and, you know, growing up, it was, I didn't really understand it when I was younger. You know, was, I was, I think I was probably 10 years old when he was born. So it was kind of like, what does this mean to have a Down syndrome brother? And I remember the joy that he brought the family and he was one of the most loving kids. Like he would, he wouldn't know a stranger. Like yeah. if someone would come up, he'd be like, Hey, give him a hug or, or just, I remember when he first met Adrian, he'd be like, uh, I love you, Adrian. I love you. And, <laughs> like kept saying that. and I was like, like okay, Josh, <laughs> she knows that you love her, you know, but we had a great relationship. And I think that, you know, for me, it, I, he was my brother. I didn't look at him as like, Oh, here's my brother that has this. It's like, yes, he did have down syndrome, but my brother really um, watching his joy, watching my parents um, raise him and not be upset with the Lord at all. You know, I think that was a massive part of not ask the question why they never asked like, God, why would you do this to us? Never actually asked that. And so I watched um, that part of my parents' life influence me massively because, you know, it's almost going, okay, God, you allowed this. So let me learn what I need to learn through this. And let me just walk through life loving, you know, my brother or that for them loving their son um, wholeheartedly. And I think that you just... When, when you're raised around that type of heart, it just does something to you and uh, it shapes who you are, you know. So it seems as I read a bit of your story that brother had a profound impact on your life. Your parents certainly did. Yeah. Is it true that your father taught you the guitar? He did. So I was, I played football all my life, football, basketball, baseball. Like I was a sports guy and my dad always, you know, he led worship at church. He would, you know, he played music around town sometimes. He had like a local band that he would kind of play music. And so it was a massive part of our life. Uh, but I was more into sports. And then one day I was, I think I was 14. So kind of later and I said, dad, will you teach me a couple chords on the guitar? So he did. And just from there fell in love and wrote my first song um, called set me free and it was basically you know i growing up in a christian home uh, i knew all the right things i, I feel like i did have a relationship with god just young um, but i, I kind of started walking away from the lord in, in my faith and but that song kind of brought it back of me just saying god i'm help me set me free from this you know junk that i'm in i was starting to party and starting to do all these different things i was miserable and he did. I gave my life, submitted my life to the Lord and, and had a true, because that's the thing about there's religion and there's relationship. And, you know, if those who are watching, you know, you may think, oh, I don't like religion. It's like, well, I don't really like religion either. Um, I'm about a relationship with Jesus and I love God's word. I love the Bible because there's truth in that and who Jesus is comes off the pages. It's beautiful. Um, but that's what really was for me. I actually started having a relationship with Jesus and from that is what started taking me down the path that I started walking down through music and ministry and all that God has done. You know, in most families, leaving Indiana, heading out to California is a wild trip, man. That's a hard, hard thing to do. You didn't grow up in a family with, with a lot of means. Why, why did you decide to leave the Midwest and head all the way out to California? I went to youth camp when I was 16, and that's in California. And that's where I actually committed my life to the Lord. And so when I found out that the Bible college was actually, when I first went, it was actually the same um, camp that I went to. Um, well, I take that back. It wasn't the same camp. It was the same area. So like the camp was probably 15 miles from this Bible college. And I remember just thinking, 
okay, I thought I was going to play sports. And then all of a sudden music started taking over. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll still go to, to Purdue University, you know, which is in Lafayette where I'm from. And God was like, Boilermakers. yeah, Boilermakers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And God really just spoke to my heart and said, you know, I want you to go out to California. And so I did and didn't really know what I was getting into. I went to Bible college out there. Um, and it was all stemmed from, because that's where I had my encounter with the Lord. And I kind of felt like that I wanted to go back to that place, you know, and uh, that's really where God got a hold of my heart in a deeper way. I mean, like I said, when I was 16, I had that real uh, moment of understanding my own faith, just going, okay, all right, Jesus, you're real to me now, not just my family, you know, you're real to me. And then when I was 18, it really was like, okay, now I got to let go of the world completely, like stop the things of this world and the mess that it causes I'm done with. And so at that point, I feel like it really was a solidified, I'm going to serve Jesus with all my heart, no matter what. And so I think that's why I went out there. So you're talking to the kind of guy right now who will tear up with a good dog food commercial. So if you, if you lay out a good Alpo commercial, man, it will get me right. Hallmark, <laughs> those movies don't even get me going on We Are Lifetime because I'm, I'm a total train wreck on those. I still believe is a movie that my wife and I watched together not long after it came out, days or maybe a week or two. Yeah. Man, it's so good, so rich, so tragic, so redemptive, so beautiful. And you have a beautiful wife to your side right now and three lovely children that you get to love and to raise and to guide forward. But that is not at all what you expected as a young man in California when you fell head over heels for a girl named Melissa. What, what was it about her that you, you just uh, went all in for? What was it about Melissa that you felt so deeply in love with? You know, I mean, she, you know, she was beautiful, but it wasn't really, that wasn't the thing that hit me and struck me the most. You know, I think because I'm a Christian, I think there's, there's priorities that I have that, you know, I don't want to just marry somebody for superficial reasons. There's got to be a reason why or a depth to that person um, or somebody who's just, you can tell, is not focused on themselves. And I think in our society, we're so self-focused in everything that we do that, when you marry somebody that's self-focused on themselves, it's, it's terrible because that's where the conflict comes and there's not any laying your life down for the person that you're marrying. And so with Melissa, I remember when I first saw her, she was, she was just worshiping, you know, as, as musicians, you know, we worship God. There's it's not to raise up our hands, you know? And, and so I looked at her and I remember she just was raising up her hands in the middle of everybody didn't care what anyone thought and was worshiping Jesus. And I think that to me was what attracted me to her because there was someone who didn't care what anyone thought about her relationship with God and who truly was selfless and saying, all right, now I'm surrendering my heart to the Lord. And so that was, that was the attraction. And I saw how she dealt with people. She loved people. She was very kind and selfless in a sense where she would serve constantly. And, and so I think that's what was the factor for me that solidified. I think she's the one that I want to be with. Adrian, it's, it's, so peculiar to have the spouse of Jeremy Camp on the couch as he's bragging about his first wife. Yeah. And it's unusual for me, of course, as a, as a host of, of this show, but you have handled these conversations because I've li listened to you on many of these shows with such grace in a conversation that could go sideways so quickly as a man who you call your husband and your spouse is bragging and raving and celebrating the love that he shared with his first wife. Mm -hmm. And so we'll talk about what happened there. But before we talk any more about Melissa, I, I just want to acknowledge uh, your love and your grace. What, what is it about you that allows Jeremy 
to celebrate that love rather than to try to hide from it. You know, when, when I met Jeremy, I didn't at all think that he was going to be the person that I would end up with. You know, we weren't each other's types at all. But I'll never forget when <laughs> we go on tour together, I would hear him sharing his story and sharing the things that he had gone through. And he would talk about Melissa and he would talk about the faith that she had. And I, to be honest with you, at that point in my life, I, I was so sick of just seeing such duplicity and hypocrisy around me because within, you know, within the church, and it was just disappointing to see people who claimed to believe in God, but just lived a completely different way. And I was looking for something authentic, really searching for something authentic. And when I heard Jeremy sharing his story and talking about his faith afterwards and Melissa's faith during the trial, I just thought, you know, you don't at 22 years old stare death in the face and try to come up with like the most positive thing you can think just because it's the right thing to do. Like that's when the true, like yeah. who you truly are comes out, you yeah. know what I mean? And I think, you know, that's even something I think we've seen this year. It's like in oh, trials, yeah. who we really are comes out. And so while Jeremy was sharing, I just was hearing these stories of his authentic faith and true hope that I just thought, that's what I want. And so I just kind of like, kind of like pulled him aside and I'm like, tell me everything. I want to know all of this. Like, tell me about Melissa. So very early on, I was so deeply touched by who she was as a person yeah. that when him and I did become deeply connected, I realized the power of the story. And I just thought, even if there's moments that I feel insecure and even if it's not about me, I never ever want to stand in the way of seeing God move and God use the story to touch other people's lives. Because what Jeremy was doing was sharing hope. And I just thought if just because I feel insecure, I'm shutting it down. That's just the most selfish thing I could ever do. But instead I just, I saw the power of the story. And so I would encourage him like, don't stop sharing. You know, you've got to share your, your testimony, share what God has done, share the hope that you've found because I would see scores and scores of people encouraged by it you know and it, it hasn't been easy I don't I mean making the movie was was hard you know and for, for different reasons than I think people may even realize but it hasn't been like oh this is great you know <laughs> I mean there have been some very 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 hard moments but I think sometimes we live in a culture that just tells us that we need to be the most important person um we need to be front and center and it just isn't true you know we we all have a different walk that we have to walk and we, we have different roles that we're going to play. And I think I don't, for me as a person, I don't have to be front and center all the time to make my life worthwhile. But if I know I'm supporting Jeremy and, and through what he's able to share as a team, we're bringing hope to people, then it's worth it to, in a sense, lay myself aside, you know? So she said something, you know, that I want to just brag on because I thought it was such a brilliant thing is I go, she was sharing an interview and she goes, you know, I just realized that it's not about me. It's not about Melissa. It's not about Jeremy. It's about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that being the hope that we, we need. And, and that is what her mindset has been. Yeah. Like I said, that doesn't mean that there's not times where it's tough or, I mean, we're humans. I mean, read our book, you know, our marriage book, <laughs> you'll see that we're humans. And <laughs> they're very broken. I would, I would, I would not call these people anywhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is why, by the way, it works and why you turn the pages or you can't wait for the next chapter to begin because it's honest and authentic and broken and yet put back together and not through your own uh, 
good deeds. You know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful story and, and it's unpacked in unison for those who want to learn more about the, the marital story. Jeremy, back in 03, I think in, in concerts, you were sharing the story. You still are, of course, the, the testimony of losing your first wife and the brokenness. Share a little bit of the love story that led up to the marriage and then uh, the diagnosis that's going to eventually take Melissa away from you. Yeah. You know, so finding, you know, the, the person in the sense of your dreams, um, you don't think that young that, oh, you know, in a, in a short amount of time, she's going to go through cancer and then she's going to go um, to, to heaven and, and be with Jesus. Like, you, don't, you don't think that. You don't think you're going to visit the graveside of your wife, you know, shortly after you're married. And so going into it, it was a, a beautiful um, you know, walking through difficult times, like we, we fell in love. And then, you know, shortly after, you know, fall in love, we found out that she had cancer. And then the ups and downs of, you know, the relationship, the ups and downs of her going through chemo, and then thinking that she was healed. There is a moment that literally we thought she was healed. Um, she wanted to have surgery to have a hysterectomy. And um, I told the doctors, hey, if there's no cancer, they'd already seen it. But I said, if there's no cancer, you won't remove the uterus, right? Because then we won't have kids. So being young, no hope of kids. And they're like, of course not, you know? So they, her mom runs out and is like, Jeremy, it's gone. Like, they didn't see any cancer. And I'm like, what? So there's this moment of like, this, once again, this high, these ups and downs of going, well, God, obviously you want her to be here. So then when we ended up getting married, everything was looking better. There was this joy of like, oh my word, we're through this, you know, it's, it's all good. And then on the honeymoon, we noticed some issues and she was not feeling well and her stomach was hurting again. And so we got back um, and we were only, we were gone for two weeks and got back and the doctors pulled me aside and said that the cancer's returned and spread everywhere and she has weeks to months to live. And, you know, I think that there's a devastation when there's a hope that's been lifted so high and when you already go through something that you're scared about, like, hey, she had cancer the first time, and then going into surgery, and then like, she's fine. And then there's this up that you're there. And so when this happened, I was like, God, what are you doing? Like, you're a cruel God. Like, I had that feeling sometimes. Where I'm like, I feel like you're being cruel, you know? And I remember just these questions and, and you know, at first I thought she's going to be healed. She's going to be fine. going to be fine. So I was like, it's all good. It's all good. It's another test. It's all good. That's, you know, my mindset was. And when she died, I remember that was the feeling like, God, that was, that felt cruel. You know, mm -hmm. why, why would you do that? And I remember um, just those feelings of going, you know, what, this doesn't make sense to me. Like, why would you allow this? Like, you're a good God, right? Like, why would you allow this, allow this bad thing to happen? And him being so gracious and so patient with me, um, slowly started unveiling things. Not that I fully see everything. I'm not going to fully see everything until I get to heaven. And that's okay. That's why God is God and he's amazing and huge and he's infinite and I'm not. But he started unfolding these things and unpacking these things where I started realizing that God was using this to reach many, many people. And, you know, because Melissa said something to me before she died. She goes, if I die from this cancer, but if one person gives her life to Jesus, and his life has changed because of what I go through, then it's all worth it. And so when someone says that, there's this thing in her that she was okay. I mean, yes, she wanted to live, of course, but she, she knew that this wasn't the final, that the final was going to be with Jesus in heaven. 
And if her life could allow someone to have hope and bring someone to the, the knowledge of who Jesus really is, the, the true Jesus of, of the Bible and his love and his grace and his forgiveness, you know what I mean? And it's all worth it. And so as he started unpacking some things for me and, and revealing how he was using this, um, I started seeing that God sees things in light of eternity. And so when I saw people's lives being changed and thousands and thousands and thousands of people responding to Jesus because of her life, I realized that, you know what, she's with the Lord. She's okay. And as, as Melissa's sister told me when we were doing this whole movie, she goes, she, she's, she wouldn't want to come back here. Like, she's great. She's in the place where she's always wanted to be. And like, like and Heather, you know, goes, I envy her, you know, because yeah, that's where we're going to be one day. Um, I think that now looking back and, and seeing how God is blessed with Adrian and my kids and how God has really used this story and used everything to minister to millions of people now, mm -hmm. which is insane to think about. Um, that's where I had to just rest and go, okay, Lord, like you, I have to trust that you know what's best, even though my finite mind can't comprehend it. I'm going to trust that you know what's best for the overall picture. Adrian, as, as Jeremy's sharing this, this love story and this faith story, I see you nodding and smiling and, and uh, believing. Yeah, yeah. During a time of so many trials out there that so many of us face and so much loneliness, I, you and I were talking before we began recording that a million and a half of our brothers and sisters just here in the United States attempted to take their own life last year. Gosh. So without a doubt, it is a time filled with anxiety and sadness and brokenness. Why do you still believe? You know, why, why, as Jeremy shares the story of the prayers he's offering and seemingly silence from a God who doesn't heal his first wife, and yet you're nodding lovingly, joyfully moving along the journey, recognizing that God still is with you along the, along the journey. For those of us who have a faith walk and for those of us who don't, can you share with us why you still believe? Yeah, you know, for me personally, the times of my deepest, deepest heartbreak, and um, I mean, you know, life life is hard there's many 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 things i've gone through a lot of different things even in my life personally um when jeremy and i a few years into my our marriage we lost a baby when i was 14 weeks pregnant and there is really something as hard as those moments are where god's presence becomes so incredibly real to you that it's i've never felt him more closely in those moments than just on the best day it's literally that there's a scripture that says that God is near to the brokenhearted. And I believe it because I've experienced it, you know? So there is a hope for us that even in the midst of the darkest times that God has carried us through. And I believe it because I've experienced it. So it's not something that just sounds good. You know, it's something that we have literally walked through in, in the most heartbreaking circumstances of, of losing loved ones, of experiencing loss, of, experiencing disappointment and um, just so many different things of just really realizing that we can find comfort in Jesus and in scripture. And I mean, there've been so many times as well, just as I'm reading through my Bible, that there's just things that will stand out. And literally when we talk about in scripture, I mean, as Christians, we talk about that it ministers to you. And what that really does is like, it's like when somebody has a cut or an open wound, it's this healing bomb that gets, in a sense, rubbed over those places. And I've experienced that in, in, in Christianity. I've experienced that in Jesus. The times that I've been deeply hurt by Jeremy in our marriage and have really struggled with bitterness in my heart or unforgiveness, but I've gone to him on my knees and asked him, God, you've got to give me 
love that I don't have because I want my marriage to last because I want my family to be together and I've seen God soften and change my heart. And so I believe it because it's been so true for me. And I believe that it can be true for others as well, you know, especially in this day and age where there is so much hopelessness. Yes. It's, I mean, it's why even more, I think Jeremy and I are um, just even more convinced that we want to share the hope of Jesus that yeah. we found yeah. um, because it breaks my heart that people are so hopeless and so lonely um, and so sad. And I just want to say like, you, you don't have to go through life that way. Yeah. Um, it can be different for you. Well, I, I think it's the understanding that Jesus never said that you're not going to go through hard times. He just said, I'll be with you during the hard yeah. times. And I think that if you can submit to that understanding, it makes it a little bit easier. It's still hard. I understand that. But, but just going, okay, I'm, I'm not expecting something that's unrealistic here. Um, but I I'm, am expecting because you promised me that you'll walk with me during this time. Yeah. So. People who are watching see this beautiful couple and the you know, successful couple and healthy couple and three kids and life by the tail, man. You got it all figured out. <laughs> Frequently, we forget how wrong our impressions are. That's one aspect we could go into. <laughs> but, but in, <laughs> indeed, and for all of us. And they also forget frequently the journey to where we are right now yeah. was yeah. incredibly agonizing. When, when you lose your wife, your wife, not your first wife, you lost your wife. You're yeah. a young man. The, the girl that you fell head over heels with and you were going to spend the rest of your life for sure with her raising kids, living the good dreams, man. And you lose her all. You, you come home and um, you grieve and you cry and you're mad and you punch holes in drywall and everything else we would do under these circumstances. When did you begin reflecting and crafting out a song that would put that ache and then that hope into words? Yeah, that was, gosh, man, the Lord used music in such a massive way for me. Um, Cause a lot of times I don't know how to express how I feel through words, through just spoken words. Sometimes it has to be through a melody and through a song that I write the words down uh, through melody that really resonates and, and, and shows the heart of where I'm, where I'm at. And so I remember it was, it was literally like three weeks after that happened where I sat down and uh, God told me to pick my guitar up didn't want to do it. I was like, I don't want to play guitar right now. Like the last thing I wanted to do, because music was such a big part of my life. And I almost wanted to be like, I just don't want to, I want that part of my life to be done, you know, in a sense. And uh, so I, I picked it up and what came out was the song, I Still Believe. And it was very raw and real. I mean, you know, it starts off saying scattered words and empty thoughts seem to pour from my heart. I've never felt so torn before. Seems I don't know where to start, but it's now I feel your grace fall like rain every fingertip washing away my pain. And, and it's very real and, and just saying, but through that feeling, I still, I still believe in you, God. It doesn't make sense, I'm still hurting, but I still believe in you. And I think it was my way of, of the healing process going, okay, I'm gonna walk through this. I'm not gonna, it's not gonna make sense, but I'm, I'm gonna somehow try to trust you and, and believe that you're good in the midst of this. And so it wasn't like I wrote that song and all of a sudden I went, I'm good now. Like I believe in the Lord and I'm all good. And like, yay. I mean, it was a process, you yes. know, for sure. And I, I went through the, you know, the, the shock, the, the anger, um, all those different emotions that you go through. I went through that and uh, threw my Bible across the room and the anger and all that. But, you know, it was God's, I call what I call long suffering, which I love that word because um, it shows that God 
he knows us as humans because <laughs> Jesus walked the earth. And so he was hundred percent man, hundred percent God, but he did walk this earth. So he knows humans and he knows that uh, we're, we're fallible and we need him desperately. That's why he came to save us, you know? And so I think for me that, that was just the process. God was patient or long suffering with me during that. He didn't, he didn't look at me at one point and be like, what is wrong with you? Like, don't you know that I'm, I'm God, I'm good. It's all good. And it's like, never was that. It was just like, I'm going to meet you where you're at and help you walk through every circumstance, holding you and guiding you, protecting you, giving you strength and giving you hope. And so that was kind of the, the journey for me. It must amaze you both to recognize this tragic, terrible, seemingly redemptive story has led to this song, has led to your union, has led to the birth of three of your babies and uh, the fourth one in heaven. It also has led to a whole lot of these videos being online of that song. And I, I you know, there, there were 30 for me to click on. I clicked on one and I want to give you a few of the stats around it and then, and then get your perspective, both of you. Yeah. Uh, 3.5 million views on I Still Believe. This is one of many that are out there, but three and a half million views. 76,000 people, they like it. Of course, 579, they don't. 579, <laughs> how do you give a thumbs down to this? But they did. 579, do not like the music. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're used to it. 2,452 comments. And I just started paging as you were singing, singing through these comments. And I won't read them all, but one talked about the loss of a wife. Another talked about the loss of her two-year-old in a drowning event. Sheesh. Another talked about another loss of a wife. Uh, the, the enduring of abuse that this person had experienced as a childhood. My mother loves Jeremy. She loves him. I wish she was still here on earth to watch this video with me. Oh. Comment after comment after comment of people who are struggling and suffering and, and losing what they long to have with them who are finding hope in this song. Yeah. Like, so... Adrian, when you hear that, 2,500 comments, of course, not all of them positive, but the majority talking about brokenness and now hope. What does that stir within you? Uh, it makes me want to bawl my eyes out, to be yeah. honest with you. I mean, just a deep sense of, of humility and all that. Because Jeremy and I don't think we have it all together. We yeah. know how broken we are. We know yeah. how much we've struggled through things. So to just think that God would give us the opportunity to share hope with people really is um it's so humbling you know yeah. and it's not easy you know we've we've literally stood across the aisle from from many of these people listening to their stories but there's a scripture as well that says we comfort others which what we've been comforted in and i think both jeremy and i have felt that god has given us so much hope and comfort in hard times yeah. um and so that is a part of what we want to do as people you know um but to just see that God continues to give us these opportunities, it, it's so, it's really humbling for sure. And Jeremy, anything you want to add to that? I have a final question before we roll through what we call the live inspired seven. Anything yeah. you want to add to that though? I think, you know, it's, it's the old saying that beauty from ashes. I think that it really, that makes sense when you see um, from the ashes and all the, the stuff that's happened from the brokenness that's happened, um, there's this beautiful thing that's happened in its redemption, how God has restored and redeemed. And uh, when you hear stories like that, you realize that, okay, God, you've used this. And um, I never thought I would get through this time. And not only did I get through it, but you've used it in a way that I could never even imagined. And so it is, like Adrian said, very humbling. And it's this, this story of, you know, beauty from the brokenness. And to hear the stories from that makes it, in a sense, worth it.
So I have 36 questions on my sheet in front of me that I want to ask you about your marriage, about the book right. that you wrote, about the songs <laughs> that you came up with. And I don't have time. So we're going to have to bring you back to go through those questions. Okay. One thing that is so impressive is how intentional you are in your relationship together. Mm. I, I think out, out of everything you teach in the book, I think it's the intentionality around your faith around your forgiveness, around your mission, around how you spend your time and how you choose not to, how you raise your kids and how you choose not to, how you say, I'm sorry, how you live forward in your life in a society that lives completely different than you choose to. So for those of us right now struggling in our walk, whatever that might be, many of us as single people, many of us as addicts, many of us with broken dreams and broken hearts, what's the final bit of advice you might offer us as we try to intentionally live better into tomorrow than we currently feel like we are right now? You know, obviously, the way we live our life is, is within um, a Christian framework. And so we really believe uh, just the importance of going to God in, in, the, in our brokenness, you know. And so for us, it's, it's about transparency, being honest about where you really are. And I think there's this beautiful exchange that God takes. And I mean, Jeremy just kind of said it. It's this beauty for brokenness um, that we can't pretend to be something that we're not. And so to just come before God and I mean, just be honest and say, Lord, this is re really where I am and I need you to give me everything that I don't have, you know. I think, you know, one of the beautiful things about, uh, about looking at Jesus's life is that he was perfect. You know, he was never did anything wrong and he died on the cross for our sins and gave us new life. But on the cross, he did something that I think people are afraid to, to in a sense, question God or ask God questions. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And of course, Jesus never did anything wrong. So was that wrong for him to have that question? No. And I think so it starts with us going, God, I don't understand. Like, why is this happening? I, I'm going to be very real, very honest. But what Jesus did right away and what we don't do as people is he said, but, but into thy hands, I commit my spirit. And I think that basically saying, but I surrender. I surrender my will. I surrender the questions. I surrender those things to you. And I think for me, it's to the point we have to go, hey, God, here's what I'm feeling. I'm being transparent. I'm being raw. Um, but I, I surrender to you. I, I actually surrender those things, those questions, those, uh, my dreams, my, all those things to you. And watch, watch him restore in ways that only he can um, restore. And it's way better than what we would ever think. We think what's best is sometimes completely contrary to what God knows is best. And so, um, yeah, being real and transparent. Adrian, as we move toward, I was about to say finish line, we are going to say starting line. As we move toward the starting line, as this podcast comes to its conclusion, uh, the first question of the Live Inspired 7 is for you. What's the best book you've ever read? Oh, well, that's a tough one. <laughs> oh, man. Gosh. Um, that's a really hard one because I really love, 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 love books. books that you think um, and it could have been for a season. Like at this season of your life, that was the one. Or maybe it's one you've got on yourself right now that you're loving. Um, okay. There's, there's one by Robbie Zacharias, who um, I'm a huge fan of. I'm trying to remember the title because it's literally sitting next to you and I read like little snippets of it every day. It just, he's really good about asking the hard questions and just coming up with beautiful, beautiful answers. So I'm going to go with pretty much anything from him right now. <laughs> I, would agree I think, that. yeah, I was going to say that's a safe bet. Yeah. Um, I, I go back to his books all the time and I'll just read things and over the years go back and read them some more. So yeah. Brilliant and humble. 
Uh, but Jeremy, question for you now from Lafayette, Indiana. What's one positive characteristic or one trait that you possessed as a little boy climbing trees in Lafayette that you wish you exhibited as brilliantly today? <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I think that one of the things that I, I there was a, a courage that I want to continue to have that I feel like that I want to, you know, I'm not saying I don't have courage, I do, but I, I remember just being fearless in a sense. And I want to be fearless. You know, I want to walk into situations or life or whatever God calls me to do and be ready knowing that I could count the cost, like it could be a cost to it. Um, so I think being fearless is where I want to kind of step into. Adrian, if your home caught fire and your, your pets, your animals, your children, and your spouse are all out safe right now, and you have an opportunity to run in and grab one item safely, what's the one item that you would come running back outside with? All of our passports. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That the good. little trotter is very pragmatic in the end. Exactly. <laughs> Jeremy, if you could sit on a bench on a perfect day and have a long conversation with anybody, living or dead, who would you want to have a wonderful conversation with? Besides me, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I'd love to talk to David from the Bible um, by the beach on a bench and just ask him, like, what brought you from the place of being, you know, a man after God's heart and how'd you get so distracted? You know what I mean? Because he started off so strong and got so distracted, like all of us can do. And just, I want to hear what got him in that place so I could stay away from that place. Not that I'm not going to make mistakes, but just to kind of have the awareness. I think that, yeah, David. Awesome. Adrian, what's the best advice you've ever received? I think humility breeds healthy relationships. Um, it's, it's really easy yeah. to to be defensive, it's really easy to be self-focused. But I think that if we wanna, really the essence of life is walking in deep relationship with God and each other, right? There really isn't like stuff isn't gonna satisfy us, money, all of that stuff. And so I just think that humility of, of walking in our relationships with God and who he is to us and then with each other. Yeah. Jeremy, what advice would you give to your 20 year old self? <laughs> oh man. Just know that all things work out to good, you know, um, even when it seems like it's the darkest hour that God is working those things for good and uh, to just endure, um, to, uh, to press on and to trust. So, yeah. Adrian Camp, I'm going to ask this to both of you, but we'll begin with Adrian. Adrian, it has been said that all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you like yours to read? There's a scripture in the Bible that talks about it, the old, the old woman, the widow, actually. And the line says she gave everything she had. And that would, that would be what it is. That's awesome. Yeah. That was good. Jeremy, sorry, man. I should have let you go first. Uh, Jeremy Camp, it has been said that all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you like yours to read? He was wholehearted and everything that they did. That sounds like you. Adrian, yeah. <laughs> I want to thank you for giving everything that you've received. And Jeremy, I want to thank you for being wholehearted in everything that you do, even still. You continue to press on, and it continues to inspire, man. So yeah, thank that. you both for your work, for your books, for your music, for your duets, and for your lives.
Thank Thanks, you. man. Man, this has been amazing, John. Yeah, thank, thank you so, you much, so for... much. My friends, that is Adrian and Jeremy Camp. My name is John O'Leary, and today is your day. Live inspired. And now, a word from our friends at Keeley Companies. What started in 1976 as a local paving company has grown into a national provider of construction, infrastructure, wireless, technology, development, and logistic solutions. Over four decades and 1,800 Keelians later, Keeley Companies' roots still guide them. In the words of their founder, Larry Keeley, quality and service never go out of style. 